So let me say that again. Because I know some of us are like, what? Works don't work. What I mean is, is that one of the brothers said to me right now, he said, you know, other churches I used to go, it's real easy to just get plugged in to feeding the homeless or doing some type of ministry. That's easy to do. But he said, when I come here, and, and I just a little disclaimer, I'm not get, saying that people who do those things are bad. I'm just sharing a testimony of what God is doing in this person's life. He says, when I come here, and I still drink a little bit. So when I come here and I go home, I don't feel good about my drinking. Amen. That's because God's with you. Because if God was not with you, you would have no conviction of the thing that you're doing. And that's why you can serve in a homeless program and go home and drink and no one have no conviction. And you feel like you did something good because you helped who you thought was less fortunate when you were actually the one in need. Some of those homeless people may have needed their belly to be filled, but their spirits were solid with God. That's because when the Spirit of God comes upon you, it's no longer about feeding people physical food or providing people physical clothes. It now becomes about God. So it doesn't even become about you anymore because you know what ends up happening? You're going to go home. You're going to turn on your favorite television show. And you're gonna be, God's going to pull up next to you and be like, what are you watching? <laughs> and you're not going to be able to go, hey, you know, it's just uh, Godfather. <laughs> Pretty good show. Have you seen it? <laughs> you're just not going to do that with God. You're going to be like, well, Lord, I didn't know you were there. Why can't I turn this thing off? And then every other program comes on across the team. <laughs> because when God pulls up next to you, he doesn't just do it occasionally. He's not an occasional God. He's, he's not an occasional relationship. He's not a side chick. <laughs> he's not somebody you have on speed dial when you need him. But when God comes into your life, you can't get rid of him. And this is what he does. He shows up and he shows up and he shows up and it's more and it's more. And you're like, God, I honestly really need you to give me a break right now because I want to flesh out and I can't flesh out with you around. We're laughing because we know many of us in this place are really, really good in hindsight. We got perfect 2020 vision in hindsight when we looking back. <laughs> oh yeah, he, he was there the whole time. Hmm. Well, he's there right now, right now. And when you're alone again, he's going to be there. And he's going to be saying, hey, what are you doing? That's how much he loves you, brothers and sisters, that he doesn't leave you alone. Today we're going to talk about something that has been on my heart for four weeks. I was, you know, on, on a semi-sabbatical is what, <laughs> my, what the leaders are telling me. They're like, you didn't take a sabbatical. You couldn't shut up. You had to keep talking. Amen. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Easy. And they were like, you know, um, you, 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 when you have to speak, you got to speak. And I said, amen. And if the Lord gives me a word, there's no real thing as like never ministering or like that kind of sabbatical. The sabbatical is just resting in the Lord from some of the duties that you do all the time. And one of them is preaching. I preach really often. 
And if you guys don't know, I preach more than just Sundays. <laughs> if you've ever been to any of our gatherings outside of this, they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I preach more than this. I, I preach online as well, if anybody's ever followed the online ministry. I actually toned that down a little bit too because I used to do it every Monday and Thursday and then I'd preach on Sundays and I literally was doing three sermons a week, different sermons, and I did that for almost four years. It's a lot of sermons, I'm just saying. So I needed a rest, four weeks, I needed four weeks off, right? But I took some time and immediately the Lord began to, I'm like three messages ahead of myself right now, the words that God has given me and this is one of the first ones and we're going to talk today about offense. Many of us have, um, we have an understanding that what we think offense is, right? We think that offense is somebody did something to me or I did something to somebody and they hold a grudge, right? That's what we think offense is. Could we agree? That they can't forgive because they're bitter, right? But I want to I wanna just go a little bit deeper because if you've been in the ministry for any while, if you've been coming to the church for any while, if you've been in the part of the fellowship, you know the teaching of walking in the spirit and you will not gratify the lust of the flesh. This is in Galatians 5, right? Walk in the spirit. Now, here's the problem. You can't do that. I know we're like, then why does he say it? You are unable to walk in the Spirit on your own. If you could choose to walk in the Spirit on your own, you wouldn't need Jesus. That would make you Jesus. Right? If simply sacrificing an animal would have forgiven your sins forever, why would we need Christ? How about after Christ? If simply worshiping God brought you closer to God, why do you need Jesus then? You could just simply turn it on and turn it off. But here's the reality. Without the Lord, you are slaved to the flesh. You're enslaved. That means everything you do is self-centered. This is why you came to church for the first time, not today, but when you first went, and they preached a message how God loves you and how God died for you, and how the entire faith revolves around you, and giving you the blessed life, and if you put 10% of your money in the bucket, you're going to get a hundredfold return, you're going to be blessed, you're going to be blessed, you're, and you go, I like that, I'm all in, you mean I can make it all about myself in the name of the Lord, sign me up, right, Am I lying? Does that gospel sound appealing to the flesh? But it's no gospel at all. Because the true gospel says you need to die to yourself. The true gospel says you're going to suffer. The true gospel says you're not just going to suffer. You're going to suffer for my namesake. That means people are, you know, many of us don't have a problem with people not liking us, but we have a problem when people don't like us because we're associated with somebody else. You want to talk about carrying an offense. I didn't do nothing. Yeah, but you're hanging out with them. That's what it's like with the Lord. You don't have to do anything in Christ. The world already hates him. And the moment you bear his name, you're going to be hated too. So if you're not being persecuted for the name of the Lord, there's something really wrong with your faith. This gospel that you say you have. 
because there should be people not liking you because you are in relationship with Jesus. So offense is something that just came to me because I know as God was stirring this word in me, he said, because people have come from a works-based mindset, they come from a, a, a church or a teaching that talks about step programs and how you can do this and that in order to get more of God. Does it, now that you hear what I'm saying, doesn't that sound a little foolish? That you could actually do something to make God move? Come on, brothers and sisters. If it were that easy, then why don't we all have Ferraris? Why aren't we all financially secure if it were that easy? Why aren't we all away from living paycheck to paycheck? All of us. Why don't we all have a million dollar reserve in the bank and we know how to steward money, not spend it? Why are we still broken if it really is that easy? Because the reality of it is it's not. You can't do it. And so when we think about this, this offense, th when we think about that, the reason why you get offended is because you're looking at it wrong. You've been under this teaching that teaches you that offense is Isaac does something to me. I get upset. And you know what, man? I'm offended. And it's, that's as far as it goes, meaning it, go, it starts and stops with Isaac. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And you'll have some of those slides so that way I don't have to keep repeating myself. Romans 8, verse 5 through 7. Father, I pray right now that as I speak, I don't speak as a man, but I speak as an instrument of God, that you would speak through me, Lord, and that I would communicate the message you want me to speak. Father, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. In Romans 5, starting in, or Romans 8, sorry, starting in verse 5, listen to what it says. And I'm reading in the NLT. Those who are dominated, what's your, what's your say, your translation? No, what, for the word dominated, what does it say? Are you reading an NLT or anybody else reading a different version? Those who live according to what? To the sinful nature. Listen to the, to, to the contrast. Those who live according to the sinful nature. Some of us would say, well, I kind of do and I kind of don't. But the, but the true translation from according is those who are dominated by. The sinful nature. Meaning you're under its teaching. You're under its power. You are under sin's power when Christ is not your master. There is, there are no such, there is no such thing as three masters. It's not God, the devil, and you. Can we settle that right now? That you are a slave to either God or Satan. Don't tell me Satan, Tony. That ruffles my feathers. Tell me the world. I could take that. No, Satan. You're either a son or daughter of Satan or you're a son or daughter of God. Is that hard to hear? That's the reality of the situation. So when you're dominated by the sin nature, you're actually a slave to Satan. That's what every one of us was born into. Now, if you're born into slavery, let's, and I'm going to paint the picture for you so because I want to take you beyond the natural. I want you to be able to see the actual issue of the heart. Because if you can see the issue of the heart, one of two things is going to happen. First, you're going to look at yourself differently. Second, you're going to look at others differently. Because you're going to realize 
People aren't really that different. We all are born into the same stuff. You might be born into the suburbs. I might be born into the hood, right? Or the burbs and the whatever that means. Yeah, good side, bad side, up, down, left, right, whatever. But you might be born into a different country, but you're still born into sin. That still makes you a slave to Satan. If you're Chinese, you're a slave to Satan if you're born into sin. If you're Mexican, you're a slave to Satan if you're born into sin. You get in my picture. Do I have to go down all of the nationalities? Somebody here is say, somebody here is saying, he didn't say my race. I'm good. <laughs> all nationalities. <laughs> Male and female, adult and child, born into sin. You're a slave to Satan. That's what you're born into, a fallen nature. Can we agree? So before Jesus, you were already offended. So you need to see the posture of heart. If you're born into slavery, this is why people who do not know God and even hear the concept of God say, if there was a God, then why is there evil in the world? They're walking offended. But who are they offended with? Evil people? Listen, if God wasn't real, why are you even talking about him? Why is he even a part of your conversation? You don't hear me talking about Santa Claus all the time. Because Santa Claus ain't real. That's right. That's exactly how it feels when you find out the truth. <coughs> God is real. Oh, man. So these, so everybody, it means every one of us, even, even those of us who are spirit-filled now, can look and realize that we are no longer slaves to the sin nature. This is why you have what's called conviction. And many people think that conviction is present so that you would repent. But there's something that takes place before you repent. Because in order for repentance to be true, you first have to realize the ought you have with God the offense that you actually have with God. And it is an offense that you were born into. You ready? Romans 8, starting in verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about what? Sinful things. But those who are controlled, say controlled. Who likes being controlled in here? When you learn how good God is, you're like, take control. You're like, take control. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about what pleases the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, and I want to say this, it's not that you're letting it, meaning it's not like you're outside of it and saying, hmm, I wonder if I just want to let that go. It doesn't work like that. The letting means this is the process. It's going to happen. It's by default. Amen. That's why when the spirit of God comes upon you and now you have conviction, there's a different letting happening now because you can't even sin the same. Now when you sin, you're like, oh, man. I used to enjoy this. Right? So it's God letting, not you letting. Let me say that. It's God letting, not you letting. You don't have control. You are completely out of control. 
out of control. I know so many Christians who are not in the spirit and they bear the name of Jesus and they are worse than an unbeliever. They're worse than a person who's out just wilding out, sleeping around, clubbing, doing whatever. They're worse than that because they actually think they're righteous. And they're walking around thinking they're in control. We got free will. I could choose to praise God right now. Father, holy, 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 holy. I mean, it's crazy in their self-righteousness. Glory to God. I'm good. Everybody's good. No, you're not good. You are not good. The name you bear is good. You are not good. So we don't get up from this place. Watch now, because this is going to get good, because the offense is already in you. Even now, there are people so offended because they spent 20 plus years of their lives choosing to go to church without giving God the glory for helping them choose. And they're, and they're literally, they're like, don't you tell me I did this. God's proud of me because I chose him. <laughs> yeah. That's Ray laughing in the back. If you don't know who Ray is, it's the Holy Spirit man in the back right there, filled with the Lord. He's laughing at the devil right now. Watch this. But letting the Spirit control your minds leads to life and peace, for the sinful nature is what? No, no, no. Say it again. Always. Now, you ever been in an argument with somebody? I'm going to just talk to the couples real quick. You ever been in an argument with your spouse or your significant other? And they, and they use that word always where it don't apply. You always do that to me. You could have bought them flowers the day before, man. That gift is out the window. You always treat me. You never, you know, always and never. Get rid of those words. This is the only time it works, okay? This is the only time it's true. Watch this. For the sinful nature is... Always hostile to who? All right, all right. So, so then every offense you have has a root. Offense is not the root. But every offense you have has a root. During the time of worship, God, be, I think it was the time of worship, God began to minister to me about if you have a master that treats you unfairly, right? Was that during worship? If you have a master that treats you unfairly, you who are godly should endure that for the name of the Lord. But us here, let's just be real. If I cut you off in traffic and you don't know I'm sitting in the front seat, come up to my door. Oh, pastor, I'm sorry, pastor. (laughs) Because your flesh is already positioned by default, with hostility. Always. But that hostility towards the person who cut you off, it is by default against God. And you would say, but that makes no sense. It makes perfect sense. That's why you have no peace. Because you haven't settled it in your heart, some of the things I'm going to show you today, that God has made so clear about his people. It's either going to make you really mad when you leave here today, or you're going to be free, Okay. But either way, something's going to happen. I'm just going to say. But it's always hostile to God. Watch the next phrase. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. Your flesh will not obey God. 
not once. And, and I'm telling you, everybody who ever before us, whoever sacrificed animals or, you know, all the Pharisees, everybody before, all their works, they didn't please God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent his son. They were not sufficient. And after Christ, you as a Christian, anything that you do is not sufficient. I know that's hard because you want it to be. You want it to be good, but before who? Before God or people? Because let's just keep it real. What can you really offer God that he doesn't already have? What can you offer him that he doesn't already own? So then you coming to God with something is ridiculous. It's not something, it's him calling you to himself. It's him doing the work. That's what makes the gospel beautiful. It's that actually God is doing this in your life, not you. If you want case in point, you didn't die on the cross. Amen. So that's proof that God did something that man could not do. So in our flesh, we want credit. In our flesh, we want to just look good. I go to church for who? For God to see or for people to see? Let's just be honest right now. We want people to see us as good. Can we unanimously say yes to that? Because I feel really alone right now. You guys are like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I got to go back and study. Ah! Is there anybody in here that can truly stand up and say that they're a good person? Not before people, before God. Can you bring your case to court before God and say, without Jesus, put Jesus to the side for a second. No, you're not allowed to use his work. You're not allowed to use his atonement. You, could you ever bring yourself to the throne of God and say, I'm good? We have to remember this. This is so important to what I'm about to teach you today, and I pray that God unlock this for you so you no longer live bound, offended by everything that happens to you. They made you stay late at work. Man, that sucks. They made you go home early. Now I'm not getting paid enough. I mean, you're just walking in constant offense. It's never good enough, right, young people? Right? It's never good enough. Watch it. I'll give you case in point. Xbox, the new Xbox comes out. Right? New Xbox comes out. Kids like, man, that's what I want. I want to get that Xbox. Do you really? I want to get that Xbox. Okay, yeah, yeah. Don't get it the first year. Don't get it the second year. Don't get it the third year. Another generation of Xbox come out. They get the old one, and now they're complaining. Because they didn't really want that one. And it ain't about them wanting the thing. It's that they want in the first place. That in your wanting, it's out of offense. Oh, man, we going deep. To, we going deep today because the scriptures are clear. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? So then wanting comes from the flesh. Yeah. Wanting has a root to it. And it's not just offense. The offense is a part of what happens because when you want and then you don't get what you want, you get offended. When you want and you get what you want and then what you want fades because it's a perishable thing, you get offended because you're focused on what's perishing, what's temporary. The flesh is hostile with God. It never wanted to please God. It never will. Look at, look at how it even says it. It literally says, it never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. 
All right. Go to Matthew 9. I'm gonna, we're going to open crack this up. I'm almost done. This is actually a really, really short message, believe it or not. I know you're, you're, some of you are like, yeah, right. You said that last week. And then we re- didn't get out until 1 in the afternoon. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2 through 7. Watch, I'm going to show you. And don't fall asleep on this message because this is really going to help you. This is going to set you free on some stuff. Watch. Starting in verse 2, Matthew 9, verse 2. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Does he think he's God? Let me ask you, did Jesus think he was God? (laughs) Watch what they say. Watch what happens here. Jesus said, Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept the crowd as they saw this happen, and they praised God for giving humans such authority, for bestowing this power upon humans. The offense that they had was that they couldn't see he was God. Just put a pin in that for a second. Just hold that real quick. Because you would think that that's just an account of one set of scripture, but that is the manifestation of what's in the heart of everybody. That you will look at what God is doing and not be able to see in your slavery of the flesh, it's God. Has anybody here ever encountered God and was in disbelief. I was like, that's not the Lord. But later got filled with the spirit, looking back going, God was totally in that. But you couldn't see it until after you had the eyes to see it. After you had a new master. You need a new master. You can't have two. The Bible doesn't say there's three. I know I said that. There's no God devil in you. You're not sitting outside of this thing with God on one side and the devil on the other, and you're going, hmm, let's see who's going to win this. I'm good. I'm, not, I, I, I'm neutral. I've chosen not to be in this fight. I'm cool. I'm sipping my pina colada. I'm good. No, there's two masters, and you're not one of them. You're not even your own master. Can anybody refute that? Do you see how now in the freedom of Christ, it's, it's, it's ignorant to stand up and say, I'm a child of God. Do you see how that's ignorant to try and put a stamp on that as if you being a child of God holds weight? No, God is my father, but he's the father. It's not about me being a child. It's about him being the father. Come on. I know we've been trained to say it another way. I know in churches they teach you, you're a child of God. That's right. I'm a child. I know that that posture of heart's there. But Jesus said very clearly, if you come to me, you come like a child. There's a confidence with the Lord. But who are we trying to please? Are you standing before God saying, I'm a child of God? Or are you putting that before people? This is why offense, and it's all going to make sense when I start talking about this. Offense sets you up. When you say you're a child of God and people don't treat you like you think you are, guess what? You get offended. 
That's why I'm telling you this right now. This is why the Spirit of God's moving through me like this right now. Is because anytime you put yourself somewhere you don't belong, you're set up for offense. And the offense that you have is not with people, it's with God. The Bible says the ho- that your flesh is hostile against people. It's against God. And nobody's exempt. None of us are exempt from that reality. Amen. Now watch this. Go to uh, John chapter 6. Is this a good word? I know some of you have been like, man, where's this word been, man? I've been getting all kinds of other sugar and fluff everywhere. I need the truth. Well, now you're getting it and you're going, I don't know if I want that. Man, that hurts. Yes, it's called surgery. Open heart surgery. John chapter 6, starting in verse 26. Let's go there. It says this, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. So what just took place before this? He was across on the other side of the river. They were all hungry. The disciples like, we don't have enough to feed them. And he says, just, just bring it all here, what you have, right? Two fish and five loaves, right? Bring it all here. Holds it up and blesses it. And what happens? What happens? You know the story. What happened? multiplied the bread the fishes but what is he saying here he says i fed you so you come over here and you want to be with me because i gave you some fish and bread not because you understood the miraculous sign and just a little clip note the miraculous sign was that the bread represented his body and the fish represented his children and he in the multiplication of the fish in the bread which what he tell peter i'm gonna make you a fisher of Men, you ain't going to just catch fish, you're going to catch people. So the multiplication of fishes and the multiplication of bread was the ministry coming forth in the earth. That's what it represented. Not just the miracle, oh my God, he's the Messiah. Yes, that too, but look at the message he's sending to the people. I am doing a new thing. And I fed your physical belly and you came over here for more bread and fish. You don't understand that I'm prophetically doing something through the miraculous sign. I'm showing the world that anyone who knows me and now is my servant, they understand this. Aren't you thankful for this revelation right now because you're getting it? So that means you're his child. If you don't get this revelation, you're like, man, this guy's crazy. You can leave. You can tune off. This ain't about us. The kingdom's come to you. Like, I know it sounds offensive, but it's the truth. What else can I do? I'm doing the best that I can to preach the truth. I could be up here preaching like some Sunday stuff, some real Sunday stuff. Right? I could just be giving you sugar. Like, what's in this water, man? Sugar. But you're getting the truth today. Every single one of you walk in a fence without the Lord. And I'm going I'm to show it to you. They didn't understand the miraculous sign. Watch what he says. It's powerful. Verse 27, but don't be so concerned about what? Now, if we're not careful, we really do read this as if it was Jesus to someone else. But this is to us. But don't be so concerned. And I'm going to take it a step further because those of us who are really bound in the flesh, we're like, well, he's saying we can be concerned, just not so concerned. Let it go. Don't be concerned at all. 
Just don't be concerned, is what he's saying. With perishable things like food, spend your energy seeking what? The eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Skip over to verse 55. And watch what he says here. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person up at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Verse 57, I live because of the living father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept this? Have you ever felt that way about the scripture? If we're being honest, have you ever read something? I don't get it. I just don't get it. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? How is that relevant, basically? Like, what does that have to do with me? I don't understand. I, like, even this, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Does that really, if you're reading it, does, do you really get it? Or is it kind of like, uh, this sounds like a madman. It sounds like he's asking for cannibal worshipers, Right? He's asking for, I mean, this just, it can read this way if you don't have the spirit of God. It sounds like madness. Watch what he says. Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this what? Offend you. Why would he say that? Why would he use wording like offense? He says, does this offend you? First of all, you and I both know you don't even like to be asked that question. If you're offended, you're like, why are you asking? What if I was? What would you do about it? You know what? I was cool until you asked that question, right? I was fine until you said something. No, you were offended the whole time. And you don't know this, but your entire life you've been set up for it. This is why you walk around angry. This is why you walk around on edge. This is why you don't trust God. Because by default, your master, which is the devil, which is your flesh, is telling you that you know better than God. The, the whole time, your flesh is telling you that if you don't understand it, it must not be real. Or if you can't comprehend it, it must not be relevant. But by the divine anointing of God, even this morning... God has given me the words to tell you so you no longer walk under the slavery of your flesh, but you can walk free and have now a new master. And some of us are saying, but I know Jesus, but you don't know him like you know him now. And how you're going to know him from days that are coming. Watch what he says. Does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again? What he just did is he said, I'm talking to you about natural things. I'm talking to you about the things that you know. What if I start talking to you about things that you don't know? How offended will you be then? Meaning what he's saying is it'll be so high 
so much more than you can understand that you will be just by default offended at me. If I begin to reveal to you the things that you are unable to even compute on the level of earth, the offense will be really great because offense doesn't have to do, watch this, with what you understand. They did something to me, and so it actually has to do with what you don't understand. Offense has to do with what you do not get. So I'll give you a perfect example. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of sandwich this now. Are you born again? Is that process of being born again absent from the Spirit of God? Is it because you were baptized? Is it, is it because you went to church? Anything that you did? Or are you born again because the Spirit gave you life? It's very important that, that we understand now that the Spirit is what God used to baptize me in. Because if you don't know that, you are going to be very offended with what I'm about to say. Because you're still operating in your works and not the work of God. You're trying to say, I got baptized, so therefore I'm saved. Or I speak in tongues, so therefore I'm saved. Or No, 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 no. You did nothing, therefore you're saved. That's offensive. That is offensive to people who really believe that they can work for their salvation. That's offensive. There's not a single person who's born of the Spirit that can say they did it. Because when you finally got born of the Spirit, something changed. Now, the promises that were in the Scripture, you start living by them. Watch, I'm going to give you a case in point. The Bible says, O death. Now, let's be honest. Can you not fear death just, just think about the answer without the Spirit. I know you're going to say no, but it's true. There are people who do not fear death without the Spirit. They've taken their own lives. They've killed other people. They've, I mean, there's people who have no conscience. But that doesn't mean they're saved. But those of us who are saved, the death we're talking about is not the physical body. We were afraid to go to hell. We were afraid for eternal separation from God. That death we were afraid of. So we gave our hearts to the Lord. Now, if you came to God because you wanted a better life on earth, you were preached a false gospel. Just saying. If you came to God because you were having hard times and you heard a message that God wants to make it better for you and that's how you came to God, I question salvation there. Because the true salvation is I am a sinner in need of a savior. I am on my way to eternal damnation and I, I can only come to God because without him, I can. there's no other way to be saved. And that's why you come to God, regardless of if this life offers you bad apples or not. Because the reality of it is, this life is a bad apple. So I'm, I'm helping you through something right now because, oh, death, where is your sting? It's not just a physical body, brothers and sisters. It's talking about eternal death. Where is your sting now? I was once bound in sin. I was once locked up as a slave to Satan. I, I once had evil thoughts and, and an evil heart, and, and I was enslaved to it. I thought of all kinds of perverse things to do before Jesus. Right? So, oh, death, where's your sting? All right, how about this? Count it joy when you face trials of many kinds. 
How many of us really struggle with that? It's because your, your master's not Christ in that area. I, you, know, you know the biggest cop-out of every single person who preaches a false gospel? Well, I'm human. How about this? The flesh is weak, brother. You know what my response is? The spirit is willing. And the willingness of the spirit's greater than the weakness of the flesh. So somebody has to rise up and say it because it's true. Otherwise, Paul doesn't get his head chopped off in fear. He did it without fear because he knew the Lord. That was the real thing. Don't ever say, well, he was trembling, like walking up to get. Man, he was rejoicing like this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Take it off. Go ahead. Because you know what? The Holy Spirit already told me it was going to happen. And you might take my body. But to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, but I'm human, brother. No, you're still letting that flesh be your master. That flesh is your master. That flesh is your master. Because those of us who have the master Jesus don't look at life that way anymore. We count it trial. Those trials, we count it joy. Come on. How about don't count it strange when various trials fall upon you? Many of us have heard that for so long, yet you're still like, hey, what the heck's happening to me? <laughs> Come on. And then you go back to the other lie, but I'm still human. Do you see the web of lies? That is not supposed to be in the children of God. Oh, no, but you got it all through Scripture. They, they were weak and they were weary. Listen, just read the New Testament and tell me where that's at. You tell me where Stephen prayed a fearful prayer. No, when he was dying and being stoned, he looked up to heaven and said, don't charge them with this. Does that sound like fear? Because his flesh was no longer his master. And I want to apologize on behalf of everybody who's ever preached something different because you should have already gotten this already. But guess what? It's happening now. You better get a hold of it now because this is the truth. This is the absolute truth. Count it joy. Don't count it strange. Here's another one. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Which, by the way, that love ain't yours. That's the love of God in you, back to God. That love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. <coughs> Excuse me. Devil don't want me to get this out on <clears throat> his purpose, not yours. But listen to the word now, offense. I built the case for you. I'm showing you the proof and the facts. This is how you're supposed to walk as a believer. Confident in the work of God, confident in who God is. No longer confident in yourself. Matter of fact, confessing daily, I'm weak and unable to do anything without you, Lord. And this day has to be yours. It can't be mine. Because then and only then will you no longer walk in offense. Because here's what offense is. Offense, and you should write it down. You should memorize it. You should put it on your mirror, every single mirror. If you're going to have a mirror, put this on your mirror. Stop looking at yourself, right? Watch this. Offense is not being able to see what God is doing. Because if you could see what God was doing, you wouldn't be offended with the situation. If I walk up to Isaac right now and he's a boarding a believer, he believes all these things, count it joy, all these things, everything's working to the good. And I slap him. The only way he can offer me his other cheek 
as if he's not in offense with God. Because then he knows this is happening because the Lord took this into account. There's nothing happening in my life that God has not already accounted for. If you wake up and believe that with your whole heart, you will not be caught off guard when things happen to you. If you wake up and believe that with your whole heart, that God truly knows everything, that there's nothing in my life as a born-again believer that's going to happen to me, that's going to catch me off guard, it's going to catch God off guard because he knows everything. So slap me and I'll give you all four cheeks. <laughs> Lord, have mercy on me. I can do that because I know that God's getting glory out of even my trial. I'm no longer walking like a feeble Christian, afraid and timid. For God has not given me a spirit of fear. Why would you have fear? If you can trust God that he can do anything, why would you have fear? Why would you then get mad at the people next to you? Why would you scratch your head and say, why did my wife leave me? Why did my husband leave me? Why aren't things working out the way that they should? If Christ was your master, you don't look with the natural eye anymore. You don't try to understand with the natural mind anymore. God is saying, wake up. He is calling his people to wake up. And you might say to me, well, you know what? It just sounds a little too extreme. I need some scripture for that. Go to Proverbs. I'm going to bring it up on the screen. I wrote it out for you so you don't have to look. You see, the problem, oh, I just, just feel like the devil did. I, look at the problem with people. Preaching this is they made it a prosperity message. Trust in the Lord so you can get the earthly thing. I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. That's not from God. It's not from God, and I'm not going to stop talking about it. It's not from God. God is not concerned about the natural thing. He is only concerned about the eternal thing. That's why Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's wasn't. Cain wanted the earth. Abel wanted God. That's just the bottom line. And the worst thing God could ever do for you is give you the earth even when you're wanting it because that means he's hardening your heart. You want to just get out of this offense with God and you can accept everything that happens, whether it's a promotion or a demotion. Whether your favorite aunt, favorite uncle, favorite grandma, favorite grandpa dies or not, you can endure everything this life has to throw at you, even if God takes your own life and you don't want to die because what's going to happen with my kids? Now you know God's got them. God's got them. Just like he got you and everybody else, God's got it. You want scripture? This is the scripture. This is the right way to look at it. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Ooh, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. The devil's getting knocked right now. I'm just saying. Lean not. Let it get out of you because you know what? It's been years it's been sitting in there. For years you've been lied to. 
You've lied to yourself and other people lied to you. But I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm leaning on God. Be honest with yourself. By default, without the Lord, you lean on you. By default. You got some kids you want free? God wants them more free than you do. Lean not to your own understanding. So when they're not getting free, you can say, God, but I know you're just. You got a family member you want free from drugs? God wants them free more than you do. So when they don't get free, you know God is good. But that sounds confusing. That doesn't sound positive. Positive vibes only, Pastor Tony. <laughs> Lean not. That's the positive vibe. Lean not to your own understanding. That's the positive vibe. What sounds conflicting to your understanding is actually God. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. All right, so can I bring it into context and then we're going to close. Can I bring it into context? He's going to make your path what? There's two paths. He says straight and narrow, difficult. So what's straight in God is crooked. See, that don't make sense to us because when we think of a straight path, we're thinking straight in the sense of what we physically understand. But even if the path's like this, it leads straight to God. So you need to get your mind off of what you think you know because you don't know. He knows. And you want to stop walking in a fence? Trust God. You get a flat tire? Praise him you had a tire to get flat. Somebody leaves your life? Praise him that they left. I know that sounds, but not in arrogance. Man, I feel the presence of God. I'm going to start calling people out right now. Not in arrogance. Not in arrogance. Not in a way of like, yeah, I got God. Where's my haters, man? Haters. No. No. I hear that all through Christian rap and all these other things, messages. Thank your haters. No. Praise God. Praise God. You don't stand up in your arrogance because you're a hater too. Without God, man, everybody's hating. The offense that we have is that we don't know what you're doing, Lord. So I wrote these things down. First, I may not know who God is reaching, what God is doing, where God is taking me, what God will deliver me from, why God has me here, or how God is using it. I may not understand the who, what, where, when, why, and how. But God has left a word for his people that we can hold to, and it's called his will. And he will come through. He will come back again. He will fulfill his promise. He will make a way where there seems to be no way, and he did that with Christ, and he'll do it again. He will open the blind eye. You may not know how, where, who, what he'll use, but he will do it because he is God. He is God. His will be done. Isn't that what Jesus said? Not my will. So you ready for this? And, and, and we're going to pray. Not my will. And even that prayer belongs to the Lord. It don't belong to you. When you say not my will and mean it, it's because that's what Jesus prayed in the garden. And now what he had 
has been given to you. And there's nothing in your faith that you own. Not my will. Why? Because he already laid his life down. I'm just following suit. So, stop being offended. Stop trying to wrestle in your own understanding. Stop being a Christian in your own mind. Stop being offended. Stop setting the bar up so high that you'll fail every time. Stop being offended. Stop looking at your spouse and saying they're just not getting it yet and thinking you're better. Stop being offended. Stop being offended. Trust God. Trust God. It's the only way you can avoid being offended. It's by trusting God. So, Father, we thank you for this word. It's grace, life, and truth. And we pray, Father, today that we would walk free and that we would not offend each other anymore by poking and prodding at what's fading away. But we fix our eyes on you, Lord, that you have it all under control. And we accept your perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray this word blesses you today. Like I say, a paper cut. You know, I don't have enough money. I don't have this. You don't have enough money, but you got a car, you got a house, you got this, you got that. And that doesn't even belong to you. Because naked you came into this world and naked you would leave. So one can say that his life was ending. But Paul is expressing something here. And there was a, a comparison that I, I thought of, the departure, the end of his life. It's like a seaman when they go out to sea. It's the man that goes over to the anchorage of the ship and unloosens the, the rope. And then God is out there. He says, it's finished for you. I've used you already. Now you come home. Come deeper with me now. Into my presence. Face to face. Oh, how beautiful it's going to be. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind can conceive what he has for, store for those who, what he has in store for those who love him. We will never understand until we're there. Hallelujah.
Last page. You guys being ministered to? Praise God. Because I feel like uh, like an old car up here. I really do. I told my son, I've, it sounds like when you're up there, I asked my son when he was, did it sound like you were an old car? Like, it just feels like you're not even speaking right. But it's the spirit of God. He's moving in all of us. I just pray for clarity for me and for all of you guys. Okay. Timothy 4, 8. This is the last verse. Okay. And now the price awaits me. Now watch this. Watch this real carefully. Now the price awaits Ray, the rates, Tony, Cherise, Isaac, Dan, everyone in here, it awaits him. Oh, Father, I thank you. We are so unworthy that you would even give us a crown of righteousness, which the Lord... The righteous judge will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Isn't not that why we're here? Isn't the reason we do what we do for the Lord why we're here? Why we minister to the brothers, why we fellowship on Wednesdays, why there's no checking of the box in this in this body here. There's you know, if you don't read the book of John, oh you're going to hell. You know, no, there's no requirement. There's no there's no condemnation in Christ. So why do we keep putting those types of structures on the brothers and sisters? that we keep ousting out the door. We become personal escorts. Did you read your Bible? No, I didn't. Okay, you got to go. Lock it up. Right, Brother Solis? I have a lot of questions for the Lord, but after I talk to the Lord, I'm going to speak to Paul. I got a lot of questions for him. But you know, the ironic part about all this is that Paul is here right now. He's in every one of us. Christ is here. And because Christ is here, all the men of Scripture and all the women of Scripture and all the little children, even those that were, those that were mutilated and, and thrown up on the cross and set on fire to light the streets of Rome, they are here with us today. The righteousness that Paul is expressing is in Christ. It manifests in us to do the service of what we're called to do. Because we're chosen. A specific assignment. And I tell Brother Tony, I said, you know, we get our marching orders. That's what we do. They're marching orders from the Lord. He gives us an assignment. And he'll see it come into completion. Because his word doesn't return void. He sees it come into completion. He will not stop what he started. Okay, he's not listening to me, so I'll just have to use somebody else. No, he continues to woo us. He continues to redeem us from sanctification to sanctification. From glory to glory. Daily. 
Even in our thought life, he says, submit your thoughts to me and the devil will flee. But no, we keep feeding that thought. And then it takes, it goes into your heart and then it takes root. And pretty soon what you fed yourself with has taken root and has isolated you from the Father. Because he says he hates sin. He hates it. When we truly long for Christ's return, we should be living in the light of Christ. When we truly are waiting for that glorious event, some will see it and some won't. So we are... We are to pour ourselves out. The Father fills us daily, and we should be empty so we can be filled again and again and again. So I'm going to close by, by uh, just saying this, and this is for me too. I don't hold myself, I don't hold myself exempt from the message that the Lord gave me gave us this morning is our lives truly a reflection of Christ can we look in the mirror and see Jesus or do we see that sinful man that we once were but now we call ourselves Christ followers are we an offering are we praising Are we sacrificing ourselves daily to the Father in our thoughts, in our actions, in our words, in Christ? Because as you read the scriptures, the Lord came down from heaven in the form of a man and he gave his life for us obedient to the death the Lord gave his life for us how much more can we give him really I mean ask yourselves that there ain't enough we can do but don't make it a burden because then it becomes back to the old Levitical laws it is by grace okay it is by grace that he's come to redeem us so, Father, I thank you that you would use a nobody to speak to somebody. Father, you are filled, overflowing with grace and mercy for us. Continue, Lord, to lavish us with it. Continue to pour out your spirit in us, Father, so we can be a light and the salt of the world. That it would not be us, Father, speaking in that corner at our work site, to our families, to our children at home. But that it would be Christ in us, loving the world as you have loved them. And you continue to love on the cross for us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.
Amen, brother. You don't even know how God used you this morning. So watch this. Wake up, right? Watch this. It's late. It's 12.30. Can you believe it? It's a long service for. But watch this. As I'm sitting here and our brother's pouring out, and we're all being ministers. You know how long they've had the kids in there now? Two and a half hours. Some of us have been here since 8 o'clock. Right? Didn't even feel like it to me because, I mean, I'm getting ministered to. But I want to say this to, as, as the Lord is quickening me, and this is going to help some of us. You've been asking God, I want to spend more time with you. But you haven't made time, so he made time. And how did he do it? 10 o'clock starts, 10.05 worship starts. It goes a little bit long. Now it's 10.50 after ministry takes place. We take a break. We take a longer break than normal. Now it's 11.30 before the word even starts coming, and he preaches for an hour. It's 12.30. He just gave you more time. Now watch this. This is very important. One hour of preaching, two times a week, and that's if you go on Sunday and if you come on another day and you get two hours of preaching a week. That means you only get four days of total time out of the whole year of preaching. Four days out of 365 days. But when we're in that hour, we would say, oh, man. Some of us, not all of us. It's a long time, brother. You know you sleep for 120 days out of the year? Oh, but I like sleeping, don't we all? We find it hard today because of the way they've created church to be. You got this punctuality. You get in, you get out, you get your food, you get a 30-minute sermon, which really doesn't even tell you about Christ, by the way. All it does is make it about you, and then you go on your way and you finish your day, right? Is that the normal church service today? But we would sit for two and a half hours in a church. This is anointing right now. This is what the Lord is speaking to me the whole time. He's saying, I am showing them something. Two and a half hours in an air-conditioned building. In comfortable seats. And we can't get the wiggles out. Right? We're just stomach growling for some of us. I can hear it. Right? Do you know that Jesus hung on the cross for three hours? And that doesn't count the time of torment and torture to the cross for us that we might have the freedom that we could then sit in the presence of God under the teaching of God and that we would actually love it? May the Lord refresh us every time the truth is spoken. May our flesh be that until it doesn't even do that. Until it doesn't even do that. And may the Spirit of God keep us I'm just sitting here as I'm listening and I'm thinking, how privileged are we? This is awesome that we get to do this. Because we could have been partying all night, Saturday night. Waking up with a hangover Sunday morning. Miserable for both even having a hangover and ever getting there at all. But we get to listen to the word of God, the truth of God, the fellowship of the brothers and sisters. We get to have, I mean, we're blessed. 
And a couple things stood out to me, and I, I felt the triggering of the Lord, and then we're going to pray. And close. God didn't give just a portion of himself. When he was talking about the 10%, we have to realize what God gave him. He gave all of himself to us. That's why we give all of ourselves back to him. The other thing he said that he showed me is that the pouring out of the spirit, is it rains on the just and the unjust. And sometimes when we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we want to just expect the good things to happen. Don't you know when the spirit of God is poured out, it wears you down? When Jesus sent the people out two by two and they went to the city and they did not receive, they dust their feet off and said, the kingdom came to you, and they kept moving. Don't you know those that were in there that didn't receive the gospel still fulfilled the very word of God that the gospel would be sent? And sometimes it's at your demise. Sometimes it's at your cost. Sometimes you have to hang on the cross for three hours before you die. Sometimes you need to get fed up with being fed up. Amen. Sometimes the teachers need to go a little bit longer because God's doing something in there too. He's teaching them something right now. Nothing is wasted when the Lord is moving. But we become extreme. We become extreme. We, we want either all of this or all of that. We don't know how to wait upon the Lord anymore. We've lost our wonder. Our wonder has a time limit now. You know why? Because you, you get up in the morning. Man, I feel the presence of God. I got to stop. Because I'll end up I'll have a whole other session right now on deliverance. We'll get up in the morning. We have to get to work. We get to work. We have our maybe three hours before our first 10 minute. And then they, you go back to work, and then you get a 30, and then you go back to work, and then you get a 10. It's okay when you're going to get paid at the end of the day. But when something truly valuable is given to us, which is not carnal, it's eternal life. You know, that our hearts need to grow weary first. Because before you can truly be given the power of God to walk out the call of God, you got to be worn out. You know, like that good trainer, right, that you didn't want to hire, but you hired them anyways. And then when they kick your butt, you're, you're complaining the whole time. But afterwards, you're like, thank you. I needed that. Burgers, sweets. <laughs> and this is it, guys. You're going to leave this place. You're going to go home. Listen, what's really urgent? As, as, we're, as we're in the presence of God right now, what is truly pressing you? Laundry will get done. Now the Lord's saying, do it Saturday. <laughs> your belly will get fed. Husbands, your wife will scratch your back. I like that, by the way. I like the scratch. Everything is fine. But you know what you're walking away with? The thing you've been asking for that you didn't make time for. You said, I want more time with you, Lord. And this is the longest service we've ever had as a church. And he did that for you. He did it. He did what you could not do for yourself. So, Father, we thank you. And even now, we, we just choose in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as a response to you, Father, because of your presence, we have to choose this. We have to respond with have your way. Even next week, when the temptations come to try to stop people from getting in your presence, we still now, even before we get there, we say, have your way. 
Because we have never been good to ourselves, Lord. We have never led ourselves to your feet. We have never led ourselves to your throne. We've never led ourselves to repentance. We've only led ourselves astray. But you have led us to repentance. So have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Hug each other. Love each other. Mean it when you do it. Take a deep breath. (laughs) Some of us need to wake up, right? I see some, huh? (laughs) And you don't have to leave quickly. You can still stay if you want. We'll be here, but glory be to God. Amen.